Yes, we're back. And what a great day to be back. And it's not our last one, Cheryl no. and more. David Tabbert. Welcome both. Yes, we've got another show next oh, week. So I know the listeners are excited about that. We're excited. Well, yes. I won't be here. I'll be on holidays. So oh. I'll be loving oh, my holidays. We we're now coming we're... in, David, and she's <laughs> having the day off. Can we come with you? We could dial it in from where you're on holidays. You certainly. I'll probably be on my deck at Charlestown, but yeah, we could do that. <laughs> That'll work. <laughs> now, what are we chatting about today, Cheryl? What are we looking at? We're going to be talking, seeing we're talking Christmas, about Christmas trees and decorations and things we need to be careful about with our pets. Now, we're having a bit of a giggle here. We're talking all things Christmas. We had um, people putting up great Christmas photos on our Facebook today. But Cheryl, you've mm. got to explain your Christmas tree and I think I'm going to get a photo and put it up um, a little bit later if that's okay on our website because you have a Christmas tree but it's themed this year. Please tell us about okay. it. Okay, my Christmas tree is themed, Sarah. I've gone out and got another tree this year and it's a white tree and every decoration on it is a poodle. <laughs> Because, as you know, I'm into poodles in a big way. We had got an inkling that you liked poodles. So every single Christmas decoration on your tree is poodle-themed. Yep, absolutely. That's amazing. How do you it even find that? fits in with the rest of the house, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then we're laughing because you showed us a photo and in the background you've got poodles. Poodles in everywhere. Yeah, it is. It's really collectic behaviour. <laughs> oh, good times, though. Good fun this yeah. time of year. But, look, we've got our Christmas trees out. We've got our decorations up. But we do need to be mindful of our pets and our decorations. Absolutely, because in the Hunter, many homes have got their trees up now, but cats are having a fabulous time. They're oh. toppling the trees over, getting into all sorts of mischief. So you need to be really mindful that if you do have your tree up, some things on the tree can actually be dangerous for both cats and dogs. Now, obviously, little hanging um, baubles and mm. decorations can be very intriguing for young cats or kittens and they think that they're like cat toys so they might play with them but the problem is that if these things um, get broken they can particularly those glass baubles yes they're nasty yeah they can stand on them and injure themselves and if they're biting them they can also cut their mouths so you know this is a problem and um, if they're chewing on them and they ingest them obviously they're going to end up at the vet because this could be a problem for them now, the other thing we don't think about with Christmas trees, I know my tree is an artificial one, but often people go out and buy the real tree, the pine tree. Yeah. Now, the pine oil is um, quite toxic um, for some animals, and we've got to be careful that they don't um, chew on those pine needles because the oil can irritate both their mouths and their stomach. So, again, just be aware if, you know, if they're chewing on a branch or, you know, they've got the pine needles are dropping and they're having a mung on those, it could be quite dangerous. Yeah, okay. Yeah. The other thing is some of those ornaments aren't actually the glass or the plastic type. Some are little candy canes and those candy canes have an artificial sweetener in them, which is quite dangerous too. So, just be aware if you think they're chewing on something, please make sure you're go and check what it is um, as well as those candy canes often there's chocolates um, some chocolate decorations are mm. quite you know they entice not just the children but That's some right. of the adults they don't last till christmas but they are my favorite <laughs> but the dogs tend to sniff them out really easily so we've got to be careful because obviously chocolate toxicity is a real concern and if they're eating those chocolates obviously the better quality the more dangerous isn't mm. that right david yep. yeah. absolutely yeah, yeah. The, the, deeper, darker, the darker the darker chocolate yeah. Yeah. yeah with the higher um cocoa, cocoa. content mm. Mm. yeah so just be aware of that now Tinsel, ribbons, those wrappings on your Christmas um, presents also can 
um, pose a real problem. Tinsels, if it's swallowed, um, can really get into the intestines and do a lot of damage. David, have you ever had anyone come in with tinsel? Very commonly. Very yeah. common. Oh, okay. Probably every Christmas. Oh, wow. Um, so right. So what happens is the, the, the gut tries to move it along and you've got this long string. It's like a piece of fishing line. Mm-hmm. And it'll get a knot on one end, which sits in the stomach, and the rest of it goes down the gut, and it actually starts to saw through the lining of the intestine. Oh, that is nasty. Yeah, that's really yes. bad. That's very so, bad. Yeah, so we do have, like, we've got the strings, we've got the mm-hmm. tinsels, we've also got the lights, the electric the lights, the mm. wires. And these things, if they're chewed, again, are going to you know pose a real problem to some of our pets. Um, so, again... Christmas lights, you think about putting the lights up, they're very pretty, but some dogs are really attracted to the electrical cords. There's something in them that they just sniff it out and they start chewing on them. So we've got a real problem there as well. So just keep a check that your your dog or your cat isn't chewing on these things that really can pose a real problem. Um, batteries, often some of these lights aren't necessarily plugged into the electrical um, power, but some are actually back battery On operated. our tree, they're all battery operated, yeah. the lights, yeah. So dogs can often eat batteries, and this is a real Terrible. worry as well. So, you know, I don't mean to be, you know, dampening the Christmas spirit, but we do have to look after our pets. Another thing that we often get, people will pop in and give us a nice bunch of flowers, you know, for for the festive season. Just be careful if you've got any lilies in those arrangements, that lilies are really toxic. Not just the lily flower for those cats that we have in our homes, but also the water, the leaves, you know, that um, pollen that's on the stamens. They're all really, really um, toxic for cats. The other um, festive thing that we tend to put on our tables is the poinsettias. They're so pretty, but Mm. the poinsettias, again, really, really, that sap in them is really toxic to our dogs. And potpourri, that's often put around. You know, people like to make their house smell like Mm. pine and different smells. Again, we've got a real issue with that. So, you know, just again, just being aware of what we're putting out. Some of our animals, you know, do climb all over our chairs and tables and, you know, (laughs) get up onto benches that they shouldn't. Um, Our presents under the tree, whilst it's great to have everything wrapped and ready, if you do have any chocolate, you know, don't put it under the tree. No doubt your dog is going to find those presents that are wrapped up. So apart from the chocolate hanging on the tree, popping those presents underneath can be a real problem. Some really good thoughts there, Cheryl. And, and, you know, for pet owners as well, not so much for my gizmo. He just sits and watches. But my kids (laughs) have done everything you've said already, I think. So, you know. And I think too, it's not just – some of the older pets are used to this time of year. But our younger pets, the ones that we've only just recently acquired or this year they've never seen a Christmas before, things start changing. You know, we we become quite um, manic in a lot of our (laughs) behaviour. Do we ever. And the dogs start (laughs) and cats start to go, what's going on? And, um, you know, they do climb these trees. They do get into mischief. So we need to make sure, you know, even if you're locking doors and things, just to keep them safe as well. But keep an eye on them. Really, really good thoughts. And I believe we have uh, Yvonne on the line. Hello, are you there? Have you got a question Hello. for Dr. David Tabret? Hi, how are you? Hi, good, yes. thanks, Yvonne. Um, yes, I have a... Um, he's about 10 weeks old, and um, it's the first time I've ever had any trouble with one of my little ones, but he has very loose bowels, and... Um, I try and change his food as much as, well, from his little kitten food, I've, I've um, gone up to um, some fresh chicken now to see if that would sort of um, make any difference. But every time I sort of gave him sort of the other food, especially with the one with the gravy in it, it just went sort of straight through him. Mm. Um, sometimes I see a little fleck of um, 
a, like a mucousy blood there, but not all the time. But then sometimes it could be a little bit sort of um, hard. But most of the time he just sort of, um, he's got these loose bowels mm -hmm. and he could go probably about four times a day. Yeah, that's all, uh, certainly a problem. Now, you said 10-week-old. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And is this a kitten that you bred or you've acquired recently? I've just required, yes. He's, uh, he's very active. He's healthy. He's um, playing like a normal cat, um, kitten would. Um, it's just he has this bowel yeah. problem. And um, do you have any other cats? Uh, yes, I do. So <laughs> I, I guess certainly diet can play a big role. But um, I'm particularly suspicious in a new kitten that's been uh, brought into the household. I'd be worried about parasites. And um, usually in those guys, like, we can get coccidia species, which is a single-cell organism that lives in the gut. Um, obviously, worms can also be a problem. So the treatments for those two things are quite different. Uh, I have wormed him. Yeah, so that might take care of some of the problem. Um, worming schedules... You, with kittens and, and certainly with puppies, you have to be repeating it quite frequently. So at that age, it's like every two weeks. But that's still not going to cover off the problem of things like coccidia or giardia, um, those kind of parasites. They're the other things I'd be worried about. And there's some very simple tests that can be done by your veterinarian to make sure that's not there. Okay. Um, those diseases can be quite progressive. They will often present very typically as you're describing, like with that um, intermittent loose bowel, the fact that we're going four times a day is also an indicator of diarrhoea because it's increased frequency volume. They're the two measures of diarrhoea. So it's not so much the consistency, it's because uh, that's really depends on the function of the lower bowel. Um, but, you know, if it is coccidia, then that's something they can detect and there is a different treatment for that. So I think it's definitely worth a visit to your vet to get this sorted out because it can be infectious to other cats. It's not infectious to people, um, but you don't want to have a scenario where you get a carrier or the organism staying in the environment in your household and just constantly reinfecting. Oh, okay. Then, mm. All right, then. Well, well, thank you very much for your help. It's much appreciated. All right. I'm not doing wrong by giving him fresh chicken, am I? To, um, is, that, is that wrong to do that? Oh, look, I'd probably try and get on to a consistent... The problem with feeding, particularly young animals, whether it's cats or dogs, is that um, you really need a very balanced diet and, you know, just raw chicken or whatever it is of a single food type just won't give you that balanced diet. And so for that reason, I tend towards a commercial diet that is made for kittens. They have a different requirement for protein, different requirement for calcium, phosphorus, and you're not getting that when you're feeding, you know, just say one one type of food, oh, okay. uh, like chicken, for instance. I mean, it's tasty. They'll eat it, but that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, that it's good for them. So try and stick with something commercially prepared for a kitten, certainly up to about six months of age before you start looking into other dietary experimentation, if you like. So. Okay, well, thank you very much. I've had cats all my life, and this is the first time I've come across... First troubles, yeah. Mm. So you've got to, got to chase those things up. Because, so, I mean, Sarah, with um, you know, the coccidia, for instance, like if it actually starts to get away, 
and gets out of control, that, that can be quite serious. So yeah, you always want to get in nice and early. Jump on it early, yeah. Thank you for your call, Yvonne. Hopefully um, that will help you out. 49216216, yes, we're taking your calls today. There is a free line for Pet Chat. Dr David Tabbert ready to answer any of your questions. I thought we'd just sneak this one in first, though. Keith Urban, this is Kiss a Girl. I love this song. Is this right up your alley, David Tabbert? I mean, obviously not. Well, yeah, yeah. one girl. I'm not going to say you kiss all the girls. <laughs> Gary, you're listening in Stroud. Hello. Now, you've got some trouble with a Kelpie pup. Yes. Um, he's a bit adventurous and mysterious like they all are, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but my issue at the moment is I can't seem to get him to slow down when he's eating. He's gorging himself that much. He, we thought about renaming him Hoover. <laughs> um, but... Uh, the situation is he just won't slow down when he's eating. There is another dog on the scene, yeah, um, an older dog. Um, but I've tried the, the big rocks in with his dry food, so he's going to nuzzle them around and slow down a bit. Um, I've tried all the old wives' tales. It's just I've never had a kelpie like this that is determined to get that food down at a million miles an hour and not chew it. So um, how old is the pup? Months. Okay. I was going to put it down to a, a puppy phase, yep. but um, yeah, doesn't his obedience is coming along great guns. Um, everything's going like normal. We've wormed him quite regularly. He does have a habit of following the muscovies around the farm and um, seeing if they leave him any nuggets. <laughs> yes, <and laughs> pick up the treat. droppings. Yep. Yeah, um, but you know, we've, we've kept the worming up to him. Um, All right. In that sort of Number twos are all seem fine, not that I inspect them on every day, but, you know, I, I keep an eye on that sort of thing as well. But I just and can't to get him to slow down when he's eating. Yeah, so how many meals a day are you giving him at this age? At this age, I'm giving him a meal in the morning and a meal, meal at night. Two, excellent. Okay, that's fine. So you said there's another dog around. Can they see each other during feeding time? Yes, they can. Um, yeah, you need to separate the them. Time, yeah. And... And I have separated them at, at certain stages during the process as well, and that seemed to make no difference. No difference, yep. <laughs> so what I would do is, now there's two parts to this, so you, you do need to separate them, because even if it wasn't actually driving the behaviour, it will certainly be an influence, and they have to be out of visual from each other. And, um, and then the second thing is, now do you ever make muffins? Muffins. Yes, but don't tell anyone, okay? <laughs> <laughs> it's just between you and me. It's fine, yeah, Gary. Okay. Um, so you get your muffin tray, and it's now become your puppies, and you feed them in the muffin tray. Okay? Uh, so okay. there's little so bits of food in each one, um, yeah. and obviously no more food. You're not giving them extra, but it's making them work a bit. And then what you do is today you put it in the muffin tray. Tomorrow you turn the muffin tray upside down, and you f- put the food on it that way. And so it's kind of just you're changing the the texture and the bowl by doing that. And so it's just really stimulating them to slow down because they're actually going to go, oh, how do I get it out of this? Um, yeah. And they go at the first one and they try and clean it out and hoover it out and there's always something that sticks in the bottom of the corner of the pan. And yeah. so then it just slows them down. They're just going to work harder to get that food out. What a great idea. Yeah. He's a Kelpie. He'll work that out. Pick it He'll up it and just lift week. it well, up and away it goes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Step on the end of it and it'll flip up. But yeah, well, we tried the, um, someone told us to put some river stones in there. Yeah. 
um, reasonable sized ones so that it's in amongst the dry food and he'll have to nuzzle them around with his snout. Yeah, they've way yeah. through the bowl to slow him down. But he just figured out if I take these out of the bowl, then I can. There you cool. go. All right. <laughs> well, the thing is, when he tries to get the food out of the muffin tray, um, yep. he's always going to leave some in it. And so he's going to go back and work at it. So you, what you'll see is the time it takes for him from start to finish will get longer. He might look like he's working harder, which is kind of what you want. He'll still go at it a million miles an hour, but it is going to take him longer. Right. Okay. All right. So, so try that. No, no medical side behind it or anything, you think? Because when no. he's really ugly, I've had his stomach right, right, right in. No, 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 he'll be fine. I just, He'll be fine, but just keep really him out. Good. Keep him out of visual of the other dog. That's the other thing too. But certainly, a muffin tray is a great idea. You can have it upside down or up the right way. Either way, it'll work. I just hope my work colleagues don't look at me funny when I bring my muffin trays in now to eat out of it. Well, <laughs> might slow me down. Just help the diet. Don't tell anyone. But we know that Gizmo eats out of it. That's right. <laughs> We've talked about that. <laughs> oh, thank you for your call. We're going to go to Jamie now, who's in Blacksmiths now. Oh. Sounds great. You're off for six months. Yeah, we're looking at uh, travelling for six months, myself and my wife, and um, we've got an 11-year-old miniature schnauzer, and um, we're just after some suggestions on... We do have um, a couple of people who uh, are willing to look after him for us while we're away, but, Mm -hmm. yeah, we're, we're not sure whether a good idea would be to break it up over... Um, over the period with a couple of the people or just have him stay with one or, yeah, I'm just after a couple of suggestions or whether you think it's a good idea, if he's going to fret or, yeah. Well, look, this is very much an individual. You know your dog best. Um, and so really whatever answer is going to be going to be guided by your experience. Um so I guess there's a couple of people might say, well, you just cancel your trip. Take him with you. <laughs> or take him with you. Uh, that's the other thing. Um, but uh, I think, I mean, you're thinking along the right lines and the question is, you know, what's going to be best for his his peace of mind if he's in one place or if he does get moved around? And my thought would be probably in one place. Okay. Um, right. But, you, you know, if that can actually happen and it's, you know, by... Um, availability, you're forced to actually have him in two different places over that period of time, then that's just what you have to do. And dogs okay. do adapt. Yeah, Do- dogs. dogs do adapt pretty well. Another thing you can do is... Um, even miniature schnauzers. Even mini schnauzers. Oh. <laughs> but one of the things that you can do if you're wanting him to settle quickly into the into whoever's home you're leaving him with is get a singlet or your, you know, your pyjama pants or something, wear them for a couple of weeks and don't wash them. Oh, <laughs> and give, give them to them don't just to, to, to lay that. down. Oh, they love their they the smell, smell. Of, the smell of their owners. Come yeah. on, Dave. Just do the singlet. Well, yeah. At least it was an underpants. <laughs> That Cheryl was suggesting. That's right. Oh, Dave's no. got a Dave's got this mind on today. Stop He's it. got a very visual. No, you can actually you can actually get a pheromone that it's called DAP D A P. Okay. Um, and that's a calming effect on dogs, and that's actually a really good idea. So it goes along the same lines, but it's does it's a dog pheromone that's calming, and you can right. buy it at um, uh, veterinarians and pet stores and. Uh, you can have it in your place, have it sprayed around a few places, and then, okay. like, maybe two weeks before, yep. 
And then when he goes to the new place, it's the same sprayed over there, so it kind of transitions the smell and the pheromone calming effect from one place to the next. Oh, right, yeah. We'll so, give that a try. Yeah, DAP. Now, Sandra in Mount Hutton, tell us what your dog is eating. Tissues. Oh. I've got two little dogs, two a long bed and a puppy on. Yes. And they both eat tissues. Tissues out of the box? No, 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 no. It's just a tissue laying around. Oh, just, uh, yes. Drops out of my pocket or something like that. Oh, I see. They pick it up and they chew it and eat it. Oh. Plus they eat eat each other's um, droppings, dirties. Oh. Oh, yes, they're a pair of... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, now, yeah. is the is the eating tissue apart from the you know visual distasteful nature of it at times? Mucus. Is there any? Um, have you noticed any illness in them because of this? No, not no. really. No, no. Yeah. It's pretty healthy and pretty gorgeous. So I just can't work mm. it out. Well. I mean, dogs Definitely, are gross. I mean, yeah, I mean, I just, I'd be trying to make sure, probably just making sure we don't drop any tissues around. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you said yeah. tissues are not the other. Well, that, yes, the other thing. Um, because uh, they're probably, it's going to be hard to change that habit. There's really something that they're attracted to. And it's, it's not causing them any harm. No. Um, because it would break down for sure. But, uh, yeah, potentially, I guess you might end up worried about disease, but it's really probably just the visual of it. So, My daughter, my daughter tells me that it must mean that they're lacking in something in their body. Tissues. I'm wondering what. <laughs> no, I, I can't think of anything, but I, I, I know where she's coming from. Um, that sometimes, you know, if, if a dog ingests something, then they're trying to replace something. I, you know... I don't think that that actually that thought process actually occurs. Um, so I think it's just a habit that they've picked up, and you know, probably they thought, "Oh, that was all right. I might do it again." And then, particularly when you've got two dogs together, this yeah. beha- the behaviour becomes reinforcing, and they'll start. Um, you know, I saw you doing it, so I better get the next one. And then the other one comes along and goes, "Listen, I've had three this morning. How about you get the next three? <laughs> Uh, it's, it's they're just going to basically copy, yeah, yeah, copy each other and so trying to minimise um, tissues around. I think availability. And maybe I think watching probably, when they go to the toilet and picking up straight away. Yes, yeah. but you know yeah. the other thing is, of course, giving them something else to do to chew on and and to consume. And so we talk about having a Kong or a chew toy. Uh, they're the kind of things that get them active. Yeah, they got plenty of toys that they play with and. Now, have you got Whatever. any? Have you got any toys that you can put food into? No, there, no. that's the secret. Okay, uh, you've got to have. There's got to be a re- yeah. There's got to be a reward in the behaviour, and there are two, two ways dogs respond to rewards. Are one is food, and the other one is attention. So if uh-huh. you're you're not there all the time to throw the ball or throw the toy or something, then uh, food is a 
a way that you can do that. So you can get the Kongs and you can fill them up, small ones for these little dogs. You can get these really small ones at pet shops and vets. And you put a little bit of dry food in them, put a bit of Vegemite over the end, wrap it in glow wrap, stick it in the freezer, and then tomorrow you get it out, take the glow wrap off, and they go to town on it all day long. And they, they won't go and eat each other's poo and they won't be looking for <laughs> tissues around the house. And in a, It's a win for everybody. Yeah, but you know what, Sarah? What? In a week's time, there's going to be piles of tissues that the dogs haven't eaten. Well, well that's, that's right. Sandra, you're going to have to clean up. Like, it's going to be a lot of work for you. You'll yeah. be right. That's true. You'll be right. It's like when when Gizmo eats after Molly eats. I don't have to clean the floor then because he oh, ingests it all. Yeah. Not that I'm go. telling you that because I know that's really bad. No, we didn't. And I try to minimize it. We didn't hear that. I'm not going to say. <laughs> Look, 49216216, it's Pet Chat and taking your calls. We still have a couple of minutes left. Just having a quick look at the weather. It's all thanks to our sponsor, the Hunter Motor Group, Maitland, for new Honda, Subaru, Volkswagen and Isuzu Utes. Uh, remaining mostly sunny and windy this afternoon and hot. Going to be like that for the next couple of days. We're going to go to Ben now from Taree. Now, Ben... Have you got um, a question about macadamia nut shampoo, which is for dogs, I believe? Hello, Ben, are you there? No, no Ben's no. gone. Okay, 2NURFM's Pet Chat. Hello, have you got a question for Dr. David Tabret? Uh, yes, I have, if, if I can. Yep. Fire away. No worries. Um, I've got a 14-month-old beagle here, male, yep. Yep. and um, every time he won't let us uh, clip his claws, nails, Mm. He goes berserk. He's all right. You can, <laughs> you can play with him, but as soon as you get the clippers out, it takes two people to hold him the way he's trying to clip him. Yeah. I yep. just wonder whether, whether there's any other way to, because uh, they grow pretty quick and they're pretty sharp. I'm just trying yep. to keep them. Now, the first thing is we have to stop doing that straight away. Yep. Um, now, the reason is, is that every time you go ahead and, and do this and use some uh, brute force basically um, holding him to do it is it's just yeah. adding to the anxiety it's making the experience worse and the next time we come to do it it's going to be worse so yep. first thing is we're going to stop doing that yep now the I'll, I'll tell you what I would recommend and then I'm going to get Cheryl to give us her because uh, Cheryl's a champion groomer yep. and this is right up her alley okay <clears throat> but my perspective on this is that we're going to use um, what's called uh, conditioning. So yep. we need to associate a pleasant experience with getting the nails cut. Yep. And it's a very slowly, slowly process. Mm-hmm. Now, going way back, I remember I had a little chihuahua who um, came in for a nail cut and didn't want it done. And I have to say, this was like 20-plus years ago, so I think I'm outside the statute of limitations. <laughs> um, but we did use brute force. And we got the nails cut, but the dog actually stopped breathing in the process. Oh. And we had to resuscitate him. And um, he was fine. He came good. But, you know, that was just the scariest thing. And it was just because we thought, we've got to get this done. And and it was the same scenario that you're describing. You know, they're really sharp and they're dangerous and they're scratching everybody and everything and themselves. So I understand it's got to be done. But it's a behavioural approach and conditioning is, um, for instance, I'm treating my dog with an ear infection at the moment. So when we're actually doing the ear treatment, 
uh, we're giving her little tiny treats to eat at the same time so that she's having a pleasant experience. And then oh, right. what I try and do is I try and say, okay, here's the treats, let, let me treat your ear, and then you get the treats. So we're progressively moving it so oh, that right, huh? I don't have to give her the treats while I'm treating the ear. She gets the treat afterwards. Yep. But to start with, I'm going to have to do that first uh, because otherwise she won't let me near her ears yep. because it's sore. So that's kind of the way I would approach. What do you reckon, Cheryl? Well, if you bring a dog into a professional groomer, they're used to doing nails and they don't have that, that experience that the dog is getting from their owner. The owner's a bit anxious about it. The dog's picking mm. up on yeah. that. What we tend to do is, um, obviously, the dog comes in on a lead. One of us hold the lead. The other pats the dog on the on the rear and on the rump area. Really rapid tapping, so it's taking the a dog's bit mind of off. Yes, taking that dog's mind off the nail. We pick up the foot and quickly do the nails. We seldom have any problems because the dog isn't in that environment and it's not being so controlling and knowing that its owners are anxious. Mm. Okay. So one of the things there that happens is, I think also with uh, like the technique yes. because um, if you've got a groomer doing it they're actually experienced very much at doing it so they're yep. going to be a lot quicker yep. usually their tools are very sharp so yep. that's a big issue yep. and um, also as exactly as Cheryl said is the framing is that you know you're not in that space where the dog goes ah oh, this is where I get my nails cut you're yep. going into a different space. So there's a couple of different ways that you can approach it. Beautiful. Thank you very much for the call. Great advice. Two different perspectives there. Mm. Loved it. But that is all we have time for today. Cheryl Shaw, Dr. David Tabbert, thank you. thank you so much. Now, I'm away next week, but that doesn't Aww. mean the show stops. I'm not the star of this show, obviously. You're both back yes. to do yes. Pet Chat for one last time Absolutely. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.